0: The Kansas City Chiefs are champions again. Their overtime victory over the San Francisco 49ers, making them the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowls in almost 20 years. Viva! Viva! La the Chiefs' hard-fought win over the Niners, a nail-biter to the very end. San Francisco's defense dominating, holding Kansas City down through the first half. Pancakes by Armstead them to just three points as tempers flared on the sideline he comes over to Andy he goes keep me in Touchdown! but in the second half oh, he's got 10 15 20 some Mahomes magic tied it up forcing just the second overtime in Super Bowl history the final play punctuating a clutch drive the moment catching wide receiver Nicole Hardman completely by surprise saying he actually blacked out during his game-winning catch.
1: <laughs> I threw a touchdown to this dude to the end of the game. And he looked at me, I said, and he had no idea. I said, dude, we just won the Super Bowl.
0: And breaking the hearts of 49ers faithful, who came into Sunday as the favorites.
1: Just know that the Kansas City Chiefs are never
0: underdogs. Just know that. Chiefs Kingdom celebrating its fourth Lombardi trophy, including its most famous fan, Taylor Swift, who was seen hand-in-hand with Mama Kelsey and sealed the victory with a Super Bowl kiss with boyfriend, Travis Kelsey.
2: And you thought I wouldn't talk about the Super Bowl. This is Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. I am such a knowledgeable football expert. As you probably all know, those of you that are longtime listeners, maybe even back from Chicago days, I used to boast, sort of, that I could talk about everything but football and dogs. But you know what? Here I am this morning to talk about the uh, Super Bowl game. How about those Kansas City Chiefs? I think it was pretty exciting. I watched part of it with my husband, who does know football. So today we're going to talk about some of the things that happened. Uh We're going to talk about some of those commercials, yeah, and some of the controversy. So uh I hope you'll stay tuned. I don't think you'll be bored. You can have a laugh at me while I kind of uh, talk about their outfits or something like that, but I think you'll enjoy it, so I hope you'll stay tuned. You know, this is Sandy Rios 24-7. And you know that you can call us at 662-821-2040, that's 662-821-2040. You can write me at sandy at afr.net, sandy at afr.net. You can find all kinds of things on sandyrios.com. You can listen to the podcast. You can order the new book, which comes out this coming Wednesday, Valentine's Day, uh, God's Velvet Hammer. You can also listen on any podcast platform, home basis, afr.net. Spotify, Amazon, whatever you are accustomed to using, it will be there. Uh, but before we get to that, you know, it's almost Valentine's Day, and I ask you, did you know that a baby's heartbeat, speaking of hearts, begins to beat at just three weeks? A heartbeat is a baby's only defense in the womb. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's where Preborn steps in, rescuing 200 babies every single day from abortion simply by providing a mother with free ultrasound and allowing her to hear her child's heartbeat and see her perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the eyes are forming. And by 10 weeks, the baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn born needs our help to save these precious babies. For just $28, you could be the difference between the life or the death of a baby, you know, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy and stand with me on preserving, saving these precious babies' lives. Well, meanwhile, sit back and relax and enjoy today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. So how about those Kansas City Chiefs winning the second Super Bowl championship in a row? That's kind of fun. You know, uh, we are from Chicago, but we are a split family. Bruce and I. Bruce has joined me. Hi, sweetheart. Good morning. Uh, because Bruce is a Packers fan.
4: Go Green and, Bay.
2: And I, I like Packers now too. But I, Chicago Bears, Chicago Bears, and we, so we went oh. through those Super Bowl years. <laughs> Loving it. I used, I sang the anthem for the Super Bowl Chicago Bears. Uh, three different years, and got to know Mike Ditka and a lot of the team, and it was a lot of fun. In fact, I uh, just sweetness—I've said this on the air before—but uh, Walter Payton's wife, Connie, used to listen to my show and call in, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, this is uh, so—I got a little taste of that, and it is a real high to be part of that excitement. And you know that you're in Chicago, even if you didn't like the Bears, you love the Super Bowl Shuffle, right, honey?
4: Oh, I have I have post-traumatic syndrome <laughs> from hearing that because the Packers really stunk back then and the Bears were so good. And that's when people had answering machines. And every night I would come home from work and I would have at least three people leaving me messages that were nothing but the Super Bowl shuffle playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: That's really funny. Well, uh, but I cannot tell people how many pranks you played on your Bears friends. But anyway, that gets us off... You were, you guys have a regular thing going, uh, ribbing each other. But uh, the game, <clears throat> excuse me, last night, Bruce. I did get I didn't get to watch all of it, as you know. I watched I think the first half. Yeah. But the thing that struck me, and it's always the shallow stuff, because I don't under you know I, I'm not a big sports and I do like football, but I just uh, you know don't take time to I don't know much about it. So as they were coming, you know, into the stadium, the thing that I noticed that bothered me. And this is just an impression. I could be totally wrong, and we're going to kind of get into the the spiritual flavor of the different of both teams. But Kansas City or the San Francisco, um, yeah, what did I start to say? Giants, the San Francisco 49ers, as they were running through, uh, you know, they just the ones I saw just looked so crass. You know, they're grabbing their crotches and attitude and all of that. I didn't like that. And then when the Kansas City Chiefs came through, I first of all, I liked their outfits better, just for the record. Oh. But they were more gentlemanly and I liked it. And then I know that's shallow and uninformed, but they just were more Americana and the uh, the San Francisco Giants just seemed like pretty raw There's and uh... 49ers, honey. Did I say that? <laughs> See, I told people, if they listen, they could laugh at me so I'm delivering. <laughs> I'm delivering a good laugh. Okay, so um, let's talk about those The the pregame stuff that happened. First of all, I think they started with the "Lift Every Voice and Sing" anthem. It's the Black national anthem, uh, which I don't understand. That Bruce, let me just say clearly first: I love Black music, Motown, all of that. That was that my bread and butter. That's what I still love. Uh, And uh, the Black community has the most beautiful music. They are just the most wonderful performers. I'm a fan. I, this song is not even a good song. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the performance, but it's not even a good song and I don't understand why we have to have a black national anthem sung at the football games. Well, the implication there of course is always that we're all racist, which is maddening. And it's something the NFL won't let go of, you know. They had the kneeling at the national anthem and they were fine with that until the fans had a, had a fit with it. Uh, So I I don't, the division, the attempt to divide us continues, the critical race theory and all of that, and most most major corporations, which which the NFL is, it's a major corporation. It's big business. They are just uh, hell-bent on doing this. I think uh, it's really sad because they are embracing the thing that's dividing Americans so much. I think certainly a lot of black Americans are catching on, and they're rebelling against it too. Stop dividing us. Just stop dividing us. And Bruce, that reminds me, that leads me into that commercial, that Jesus footwashing washing commercial. Uh, well, we'll get to that later. Actually, we'll get to that later. Let's stay on the pregame. The, the, the odd thing, then they had uh, a guy named Post Malone <laughs> singing America the Beautiful, which I thought, well, this is interesting because America the Beautiful is a hymn. It's beautiful. It's, uh, till all success be noble nobleness and every gain divine. It talks about God in almost every verse except the first one. So he only sang the first one, and uh, he was covered with tattoos on his hands, on his neck, on his face, and his teeth were all capped with gold or silver. And like, so, what? I don't know how to feel about that. He might be a great guy, and I might be judging him on his appearance, and I don't want to do that. But why? Why that gentleman singing "America the Beautiful"?
4: I don't know. Um, he is considered he's white, but he's considered a rapper. Um, he's considered a. He's 28 years old and he has like five titles. He's an actor. He's a producer. He's a singer. He's, but I, I have to admit, I have never heard of him, and I doubt that most people there have heard of him. Um, not that that's a disqualifier, but it's kind of like like the NFL goes out of its way to sort of diversify and okay everything. And this guy had more ink on him than a newspaper. Yeah. Uh, with his tattoos and again there's nothing wrong with that but i wouldn't call that mainstream america and you know i'm there to watch a football game i'm not there to have a social statement put on me every five minutes
2: it's like uh the sports channel uh espn it's like espn just cramming it down constantly making differences based on race you know and um Thank goodness it was refreshing to me when Reba McIntyre <laughs> sang the national anthem. And I want to say, one of the players, I think it was the Kansas City Chiefs player, a black player, they panned to him and he's crying. The tears are rolling yeah. down his face. And um, so, see, this really has nothing to do with race.
4: No, you know. It has
2: nothing to do with you'd race. You'd have
4: thought the NFL would have learned with the Colin Kaepernick situation Uh <laughs> To me, that was a manufactured situation. Colin Kaepernick got cut. He was a black quarterback. Lots of guys get cut. And he turned it into a hole. It's the NFL being racist. And the NFL reacted to that in a boomerang that was exponential in their reaction. And, you know, they started going out of their way to start, you know, in their way, addressing. <laughs> Uh, white racism. white
2: supremacy. You know, now I
4: know we wanted to have a nice time today, but I, I have to say, you know, if if we're going to talk about this, then the the thing about the NFL is, to me, it 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 embodies all the corporate hypocrisy. Yes, exactly. That is going on in this world. Mm-hmm. The NFL, I'll bet, if you went through its its percentages of race that uh, run the place, would be extremely white oriented. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is, then, because it's okay for them to have a white uh, majority to run the league, but then they want to tell the rest of us who are watching that racism is our problem, that we, that we discriminate against people. Meanwhile, uh, you want to talk about somebody that discriminates against people? The average ticket price. For last night's Super Bowl game was eleven thousand dollars a piece. Are
2: you kidding me? Bruce? Eleven
4: thousand dollars a piece, and that's not including you know these corporate um, boxes. Think of, think about what was going on there: limousines coming in, private planes coming in, private parties, um, uh, huge amounts of liquor and food, and and partying, and you know uh, corporate guests there. And look, that's all fine, that's, that's you know, that's capitalism, but to tell us, the average fan, that, you know, we we uh, are hurting the environment, we are racist, uh, you know, those messages, I have a hard time buying that from the NFL.
2: Yeah, and that, you know, that leads in, I, I do want to go to this commercial then, uh, this uh, commentator will set it up. And then I have some things, some observations, and Bruce might too. Uh, there was a commercial, you may have seen it, or you heard about it. It was a <clears throat> a commercial of Jesus, uh, no, not Jesus, based on Jesus washing feet. Let's just listen to the description, and then we'll talk about it. This is clip five.
5: Jesus Christ showed up at Super Bowl 58, and somehow nobody was happy about it. Here's how and why it happened, and the surprising reasons why viewers felt weird about it. It might not be for the reasons that you think. Super Bowl commercials are supposed to be fun. Some of them are designed to provoke discussion, though most companies spend their millions aiming for a bit of water-cooler chat about how funny, cool, or celebrity-packed their spot was. While a minute-long effort from the Servant Foundation's He Gets Us campaign has certainly ticked the discussion box, the reaction wasn't exactly lighthearted and positive. The commercial features a slideshow of AI-generated images that feature political and ideological opposites coming together while a member of one side washes a member of the other side's feet. It alludes to an act that took place following The Last Supper in which Jesus washed the feet of his followers to show his humility. Select scenes include a police officer washing the feet of an African American man, a preppy girl washing the feet of someone with a punk rock aesthetic, and an anti-abortion protester washing the feet of a young woman outside a family planning clinic. In light of that, it's not exactly surprising that people have taken to the internet to express some rather strong feelings about the whole thing. The commercial then finishes with the words, "'Jesus didn't teach hate.'" He washed feet, presumably for those who didn't understand the message being conveyed.
2: All right, so uh, let me jump in now. I don't know if you saw the commercial. He described it really, really well. You've got uh, an abortion protester washing the feet of a girl who's going to get an abortion at a clinic. You have a cowboy washing the feet of an Indian. Uh, You have a street preacher washing the feet of a transgender on a beach. And, And so it sounds kind of nice. I mean, in a way, right? Uh, Certainly, we can't be offended by the humility of doing that. And then certainly what Jesus was demonstrating when he washed his disciples' feet. But here's where it goes wrong. First of all, Jesus did not separate us into groups. He did not see black people as all innocent and white people all guilty, just to name one big group that seems to be controversial right now. He looked on individuals, on their hearts. Uh, He healed white and black and brown and whatever else he healed. Uh, He was not pitting people against each uh, each other based on some characteristic that they had. He did not do that. And I also want to point out to all of you that Jesus was washing his disciples' feet. Those were the men that he loved and worked with. He did not wash the Pharisees' feet. I don't think Jesus would have done that. Uh, that was just not his point he was talking about personal humility which is necessary but he wasn't talking about you know uh he was not talking about washing the feet of our enemies i'm not saying we shouldn't but that was not jesus example it was about his example of being king of kings and lord of lords and being willing to wash the feet of his friends okay so that was it's a twisting it's a complete twisting. Jesus didn't teach hate. Well, that's a signal right there that they're off base because that term is used. I used to get into arguments with gay listeners way before gay marriage back in Chicago. They'd always say, you hate us. I said, you know that's a construct. You know that is a bunch of you know what, a load of whatever because I, you know that I don't hate you. That's a word you're using to put people back on their heels, and I'm not going to listen to it because it's ridiculous, but this is the way, this is the word they chose. And so um, they, now it's gone to where it's gone now. All of us, if we object to something, we hate the person. It's just a, it's amazing. So that was that commercial. Well,
4: you know, Sandy, uh, um, I think what's very refreshing is both quarterbacks in the game last night, uh, Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs and Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers, are believers, and they have publicly expressed their belief in Jesus.
2: In fact, let's listen. We got a couple of uh, uh, clips from them, which just really, I just thought were wonderful. It's just wonderful to see that God is so at work in the lives of many of the players, and even if we may not see it in the game or the halftime, or the halftime is that what you call it? Mm. <laughs> the intermission. <laughs> Sorry, I can't ever remember the words. Well, at anyway. least you didn't <laughs> call it the
4: seventh inning stretch. <laughs>
2: the seventh inning stretch. <laughs> uh, you know, because of all the, the, you know, the Taylor Swift stuff, and we're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, This is refreshing, and it's also so great to see God at work in the lives of these young men. This is uh, Patrick Mahomes of Kansas City Chiefs. We're the champs, so we're going to go with him first. Patrick Mahomes.
1: I mean, my Christian faith plays a role in everything that I do. I mean, I always ask God to to lead me in the right direction and let me be who I am uh, for his name. So it has a role in everything that I do, and obviously it will be on a huge stage in the Super Bowl that he's given me, and I want to make sure I'm glorifying him while I do it yeah it's, it's about just playing for your teammates um, just trying to do whatever you can to win the game for your teammates beside you and uh, in that moment God gave me the strength to run and get that first down and get us in the field goal range and so um, all I've done since then is try to get my ankle better and better and, and hopefully I'll be able to run whenever I need to in this game it means everything um, I know that I'm blessed to be in this position and I know that I, I'm here uh, for a reason and to glorify him and so Um, It means everything, not only about my football career, but all the decisions that I make. And so um, to have a faith backing, I know why I'm here, and it's not about winning football games. It's about glorifying him, and I think that gives me the – the, 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 I have no pressure when I step on that football field. Cause I know why I'm here. It, it just kind of relieves the pressure uh, of playing the football game because I know that I'm on that football on that football field to glorify him before everything. And so it's not about winning and losing. It's about going out there and being the best that I can, best that I can, in his name. And so it, I think that the faith, and I, I feel like I've grown in my faith over these last few years. And I think that's gave me a. More sense of what who I am and why why I play the game that I play. I actually got a tattoo a tattoo about was a, a, about Eutychus in Acts 20 verse seven. It's about being half in and half out on on God. The interpretation that I took from it, um, and how you can't be half in and half out. And so that was the Bible verse that kind of stuck with me. That kind of told me that I needed to be fully in.
2: Patrick Mahomes, you know, Bruce, what strikes me about that? In the past, and uh, football players would mention God or other other sports teams. They'd maybe point their finger up or say something like short and shallow. And these guys are, they they are exemplifying their, their real knowledge of Christ and their fact that they are sold out, just as he said. Isn't that amazing?
4: And it is amazing because Patrick Mahomes is only 28 years old. He's now won his... Uh, second Super Bowl in a row. I mean, this guy could have a head the size of New Jersey, and instead, I've watched him uh, evolve into this young man who, uh, he just really has himself under control and understands his priorities, and I was not aware until this Super Bowl how sold out he was to Christ, but, you know, I have to say, if you watch the NFL, the the powers that be want nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with Jesus. They want nothing to do with Christianity. Um, and for this young man to stand up there and n- not just mention Jesus, but to talk about his impact on his life and how he leads his life because of Jesus, yeah. so refreshing. And what? I'm I'm sure it makes people in the New York headquarters of the NFL – get a little nervous.
2: You know, is that God has such a sense of humor because here they are, the quarterbacks. They're so talented. They can't like suppress them, get them out. I mean, they're, they play an important role. He just led them to their second victory, you know? So, so it's just God's sense of humor, I think. And, uh, Brock, go ahead, babe.
4: Well, and you know, I, again, to go back to what we talked about with Colin Kaepernick, uh, you see the reaction the NFL powers had when uh, Kaepernick raised the possibility of racism in the uh, in the NFL but when uh, Patrick Mahomes who is the face of the league right now he might be the best player in the entire league uh, talks about his Christianity it's crickets yeah crickets they have nothing to no. say about they don't they don't go out and start supporting uh, you know believing in Jesus or anything they just they just go quiet
2: yeah that's a really good point well okay so on the other hand we have the san francisco 49ers who i wasn't a fan of as i because this is really important as i watched them coming through the glitter Uh, i didn't like the way they the effect but i must have been wrong at least on on another level this is brock purdy and he's giving his testimony before the game as well
3: brock let me ask you a question about your face Jesus, how you doing? I'm good, how you doing? Good, tell me about scripture this year, some of the Bible verses that you've been reading and passages that's maybe helped you this year. Yeah, this year for me, it's been Psalm 23. Um, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and then it goes on. But um, for me, you know, playing this game, playing this sport, there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, you can, it's easy to get wrapped up in, you know wanting and feeling like wanting to be loved you know obviously by your teammates and everybody but like the world and so um for me like in that in that passage it's talking about you know i already have what i need from from the good shepherd and, and jesus so um i don't know i just been studying psalm 23 uh throughout the whole whole season and been going back to it it's what i start off with actually every single day i just read off Psalm 23 to myself before I start Start off with some solitude and, and then I go about my day. I talked to your dad a couple of days ago. He said he prays his guts out when he watches you play. Yeah. Do you pray when you're playing during a game? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, You know, and it's not, can we, you know, God, can we win here? Can, can we right. do something great here? It's it's more just to have that, that peace, that steadfastness and in, in all the chaos. That's really what it is. It's sinking back into like, Holy Spirit, you know, take over and and lead me here in this moment and allow me to think clearly, allow me to, you know, obviously go through my reads and, and like I said, just uh, have a even killed state of mind that that I get from the Holy Spirit. So
2: you see what I mean about the depth of commitment, the depth of faith, the depth of understanding. It's pretty amazing. Of course, that was Brock Purdy from the San Francisco 49ers.
4: You know, Brock Purdy is really a story. He is what they call Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL. In other words, when he was drafted a few years ago, he was the very last person selected by any of the teams.
2: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, uh,
4: so if any, if any guy uh, had a reason not to have a lot of faith in himself, it might have been Brock Purdy. You know, you're the last person. Mr. Irrelevant almost never makes a team, let alone becomes a Super Bowl quarterback. So um, to listen to him, and he's a young guy. Listen, you can bet there's pressure to keep quiet about Jesus, especially when you're about 23 years old, you're brand new in the league. And um, for a guy like that to express his faith, again, he could be all wrapped up in himself, and instead he chooses to speak about his faith in a very public platform. I think that says a lot about him.
2: I do too. Okay, so we're going to take a bit of a break here because uh, we're going to get into some, well... Joe Biden had something to say yesterday you might not have heard, and well, we haven't talked about Taylor Swift, and of course, she is the most important thing about last night and the Super Bowl, so we'll get to that in just a
5: minute. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family
0: Radio. Well,
2: it's almost Valentine's Day, and I hope you've done something sweet. or oh, you're going to do something sweet for your sweetheart. So that reminds me of our hearts. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? Did you know that at five weeks, that heartbeat can be heard through ultrasound? Did you know by six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming? Did you know that by 10 weeks, the baby's able to suck their thumb? Well, that's why preborn, when they provide the ultrasounds and show these beautiful images, these features of babies, the moms say, hey, that's my baby. I can't go into that abortion clinic. It's it's that simple. And that's how preborn saves lives and that's what we pay for those ultrasounds each and every time we make a gift to preborn slash sandy. That's preborn dot slash sandy. I hope that you will continue to give on an ongoing basis. If you haven't done it in a while or if you need to update or you want to continue, please do go to preborn.com slash sandy. you know I think Taylor Swift should run for president because I figure she has as much knowledge about the world and about running the government as uh, many of the people that we see in place right now. And besides that, she has like 65 million followers on Twitter. I mean, she's a shoe in I think Taylor Swift for president. Don't you think, Bruce?
4: Well, I have to say, it's amazing to me, honey. I'm looking over at you, and, and uh, I think Sandy has become a Swifty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I
2: have. I have. I confess doing right doing her now. hair
4: like her and doing her eyelashes. No, oh, no, that's <laughs> not true. <her. laughs> now, wait no. a minute. Um, I have to say... Uh, Maybe I'm getting old. All the Taylor no. Swift stuff really put me off last night. It was a great football game, but I must admit I got very tired of seeing Taylor Swift uh, and in fact, um, the worldliness came out on me in me during the game <laughs> i uh I was texting back and forth with some people and one of the one of the memes I sent was a person at uh, putting eye drops into their eyes. And it was Tabasco sauce. And it says, every time I see Taylor Swift cheer up uh, <laughs> Jason Kelsey catch.
2: Course, do you think that you're alone in that? Do you think other people are? Oh, it seems no. like there's a love fest for Taylor Swift. So uh, I think, I guess, kind of think we're the only people, right?
4: <laughs> She's very polarizing. You you talk about something that was uh, dividing people. Um, you know, again, again, to me, this just shows what the NFL is all about. You're not going to hear a thing about Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy uh, giving their testimonies. But the NFL cannot get enough of this Jason Kelsey and Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift romance. Yeah. Wow. In fact, I even heard a, a marketing guy uh, make a, a projection that, th- I don't know how they figured this out, but somehow this romance has generated $300 million dollars in interest for the NFL.
2: Well, there you have it. That's why they love her. That's why they love her. It's just that simple. And I think we should, on the serious side, why should we be concerned about this? Well, Taylor Swift has gotten very political. You know, she's uh, very much, I think, does she support Biden? Has she said that? Do you know?
4: Well, I, I don't know if she supports Biden, but she's definitely anti-Trump.
2: Okay, so I want to prove my point here. This isn't just speculation, and I'll do it in this way. Uh, At Alvernia University in Pennsylvania, they are now offering a Taylor Swift course. Students will analyze and deconstruct white feminism, performative allyship, I don't even know what that means, (laughs) white privilege, racism, sexuality, girlhood, misogyny, and climate change. And so, uh, so, and so just to emphasize, here is a professor, the professor teaching the Taylor Swift course in her own words. Let's listen.
6: I am Dr. Jess Hamlet. I'm assistant professor of English here, and I teach, um, I'm trained to teach like the Shakespeare and the British literature courses. Um, but I also am doing this Taylor Swift course. I have taught uh, classes on revenge true crime as literature, um, African-American literature, queer literature, I kind of do it all these days. So uh, this is uh, Major Writers, Taylor's version. Um, This is a 400 level literature course. It is open to basically the entire student body. Um, Although I do recommend that students are juniors or seniors before they get into it, although advanced sophomores can be in as well. I don't recommend the course for freshmen, but it will come around again. Um, so a million years ago or like two years ago, uh, they had asked me to do a one credit course for incoming freshmen over the summer. And I was like, LOL, what if I did a Taylor Swift appreciation class? This was, I think around the time that like Stanford had debuted their course. And I was like, that's fun. Um, and then I had mentioned it to some of my like students in my classes and they were like, wait. I want to take this class. Can I take this class? When can I take this class? Um, So I thought, okay, well, there's demand. So maybe I'll make it into a real semester long three credit course. um, And the rest, I guess, is history.
2: (laughs) She's a, you know, she teaches Shakespeare and British literature and Taylor Swift. Uh, She's taught queer literature. She has a gay pride flag on her wall. So uh, that's the Taylor Swift uh, curriculum, and I just thought everyone should understand.
4: Rarely am I speechless, <laughs> but after that, I, I practically up a 400-level course. That's like a PhD-level course. Okay, parents, get out your checkbook. Don't you want to pay an extra $5,000 or so a semester so your child can take this woman's course? Oh, my gosh.
2: First, this ties into with the discussions we've had recently about uh, Gen Zers, Gen Xers, and why they're so—they just don't know anything, and mm. why they don't know how to work. They're taking Taylor Swift courses. So that's enough of that. I uh, there's another—unless you have one other thing about the Taylor Miss Taylor. <laughs> how, how did they do last? Night? I think she gave him a big kiss when they. Oh, came, right? it
4: was it was. Pretty sickening afterwards.
2: (laughs) Anyway, vapid, vapid, all of us. But again, the the league,
4: the thing you have to remember, the league loves this. You don't see, you know, Patrick Mahomes was up on the uh, dais after they were done and were being uh, presented the uh, trophy for winning the game. And he had his, his daughter in his arms and he had his wife up there. You know, they showed them somewhat, but not really. But boy, the cameras... You know, uh, between the networks and the NFL, they could not get enough of Jason Kelsey and and uh, Tara or Taylor Taylor Swift.
2: Uh, and you know, the bloom is going to come off that rose. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably sooner rather than later. Yeah. I just can't imagine uh, J- uh, the the football player or whatever his name is, yeah. Kelsey uh, Travis yeah. Kelsey, uh, liking that forever. But now there is someone else who weighed in last night, and others. You know, people might not have heard this. Because the president of the United States, Joe Biden, decided not to do the presidential interview that happens every Super Bowl. He decided not to do that. But he did have a message on Twitter. And it's very, very, very important. Let's listen.
3: The Super Bowl Sunday. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size, but not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, the, the American public is really pi- tired of being played for suckers. And I think that this is certainly a great example of the American public being played for suckers. So Joe is complaining about sports drink bottles are getting smaller and snack chips containers are getting smaller. And we're tired of businesses, you know, tricking us in this way. It's shrink place and we've had enough of it. Well, Bruce, how about I let you sort out the American public on why this is a incomprehensible stupidity on purpose?
4: Well, I thought Bidenomics was going to solve all these problems, but apparently it hasn't. According to Biden himself, uh, th- this is uh, to me astounding. That with all the think of the things going on in the world, the Middle East is on fire. We are nose to nose with China. We are nose-to-nose through Ukraine with Russia. We have rampant crime in this country. We have rampant inflation. And Joe Biden is worried about the size of his ice cream carton. And, uh, you know, I think that really does say where the president is at in his cognitive ability and in his priorities.
2: That's interesting, Bruce, because that is actually not what came to my mind, but you're totally right about that. What came to my mind was that he's blaming big business on these size changes. And the reality is, because of the Biden administration spending and giving money away to illegal immigrants, COVID money, uh, their buddies, uh, people in Congress, it's just the spending is out of control. You know that our debt is out of control, and Joe Biden has added so much to that. And because of that, the uh, Treasury is printing money like Crazy printing, 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 which means that your dollar is worth – is it tw- how much less is it, Bruce? I forgot. 20%, 20%
4: than a few years ago.
2: You can buy with a dollar 20% less than you could under the Biden- under the Trump administration. Now, I don't have to make this political. Well, I'm just telling you that's true. Your bags have shrunk. Your bottles have shrunk. Your ice cream containers have shrunk because businesses are trying to stay alive. They can no longer sell you what they used to sell you at the same price. They can't do it because they have to pay for gasoline and trucks. And Joe Biden has shut down um, drilling for oil. He shut down exploration for shale. That's all gone. So that's why gas prices have skyrocketed. Now, I know they're down right now. That's because it's an election year. And so it's, a, it's an artificial uh, lowering of the gas prices so that you'll vote for him. So that is just he is the reason. Why you're getting less chips and why you're getting a smaller bottle? It's his policies that have done this, and I'm not saying that because I'm a partisan. I'm not. I'm just telling you that's the truth. That's why your rent is up. That's why your gasoline is up. That's why you can't afford to go to the grocery store. It's Joe Biden's policies. It's his policies. It's his policies, and he has the nerve to sit there. And bring it home. They're trying to make it personal so that those of you who love the Super Bowl will listen to this and think, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes me really bad at, mad at Doritos and uh, Briar's ice cream and Oreo. How dare they do this to us? He's channeling, blaming, as he always does, others for his malfeasance. And so it's pretty insidious. And so, Bruce, can we end with something light? Just quickly, was it a good game?
4: It was a very good game. Um, and... Uh Again, uh, if you cut out all the the distractions, the football game was great. Uh, and I must say, honey, I am very proud of you to have gotten through uh, a show on sports and not mentioned the players' outfits.
2: I, no, I did, In- I did. I did. I
4: did. I
2: confess, oh. I did. I did say I like the Kansas City Chiefs' outfits more Outfit, than I did.
4: Honey, it's a uniform.
2: Yeah, but... <laughs> Really? I'll and get I'll try to work we on that. Learned, <laughs>
4: we learned now that football games do have seventh inning stretches or uh And
2: it's not you know, an intermission. Yeah it's not an intermission. Okay, like a, I, and hey, they I, don't I, when they work out, they it's not an audition. Uh, I I, I gotta out. get this all straight. Yeah. Well all right, with that brilliant bit of input. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I want to thank you for listening to Sandy Rios 24-7. You know that you can call us at 662-821-2040. You can write us at sandy at AFR.net. You can listen on any podcast platform. AFR.net is our home base. You can also listen if you go to sandyrios.com and you can order my brand new book which comes out February the 14th. It's called God's Velvet Hammer. I I hope you enjoy it. Alright, so the show is Sandy Rios 24-7 and we hope you enjoyed listening to today's edition. Thank you, Bruce, for joining me, sweetheart.
4: It was my pleasure.
2: Okay, thanks for listening, everybody.